Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. This is our first podcast of the year, and to start off, we will be talking about the new Netflix series that just came out over the Christmas holidays called Bridgerton, starring Phoebe Denver, Regay Jean Page, as well as Julie Andrews as the narrator. And with me virtually is my good friend, Christina. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the series, don't worry, we won't give away too much because it is pretty new. Um, Bridgerton takes place during the Regency era, so around the summer of 1813, and follows the Bridgerton family, a rich upper-class family who consists of Mrs. Bridgerton and her four sons and four daughters. The main focus consists on Daphne Bridgerton, the eldest daughter who is leaving behind her childhood and is part of her first coming-out ball, which we'd now call her debutante. By the end of the season, she must snatch a husband and be consistently perfect in order to find a match. Daphne, however, is quite naive and doesn't understand the ways in which to be a perfect little housewife. Let's be clear here. Her mother has taught her how to sit up straight, engage in small talk, and be a future mother. But she has not told Daphne the physical aspect of marriage, especially with how babies come to be in the first place. Maybe through a slight gaze or a touch of a hand, or maybe a kiss on the cheek. Well, she'll soon find out. While this is occurring, there's also other important aristocrat characters, as well as a gossip girl-like narrator, Mrs. Whistledown, played by Julie Andrews, who never reveals her identity but knows about everything and everyone. So, Christina, what do we think of Bridgerton? I really liked Bridgerton. I I have like one major issue with it that happens around episode six, which we may or may not get into depending on how spoilery we go or not. Um, so it's definitely like it's definitely flawed. Um, it is definitely not perfect, but I really really liked it overall. There were so many characters I loved. Lady Danbury, the best. Lady Violet, loved her. Penelope amazing. Eloise, I want to be her. I, Colin, absolute baby, would marry. Like, I love them all. <laughs> Simon, he's fine. Um, Anthony, I hated him. Other than that. <laughs> there were two, two characters that you mentioned that I liked, and that was Pen, uh, Penelope, and Colin. The, they were adorable. Um, I love Penelope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, like, if we were to talk about the episode six, we can just say, like, spoilers ahead, and yeah. um, they can just go ahead a bit. But, um, yeah, I love, <laughs> oh my gosh, she is such a good narrator in this. I wouldn't expect her voice to be in a narration. Like, I don't really, exp- like, I find her singing voice very known, but I don't really find her speaking voice known, and I thought she did a really good job in this. I love that she was never revealed or shown. Um, I also love the costumes in this movie. They were gorgeous and apparently very accurate to the times. And then, like, the sets and the cinematography were so lavish and vibrant. It just it just felt like you were definitely in the room with them during, like, the Jane Austen era. It was so, so good to look at every scene. I was like, there was just, like, so much to take in and it was all beautiful. Every it was definitely actor was beautiful. <laughs> it was definitely the most beautiful and sexy thing I've ever watched. I'll probably go into how I did not really enjoy this show, but gosh, it was so sexy. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, like everybody and everything, like even like a candlestick. <laughs> um yeah, just beautiful. I just I couldn't get into this show and I'm a big as you know, Christina, period drama nerd. Um, I watched Downton Abbey, love Downton Abbey, love like Pride and Preju- Prejudice, the miniseries from 1995. But oh, yeah. this show, I just, I couldn't get into it. After episode two, I was like, oh my God, when is it going to end? There's still six episodes left. Every time I'd click on the next episode, I'd be like, oh my god, there's still 35 minutes left of this show. I just didn't find, like, I rooted for any of the characters. Um, I didn't like Daphne at all. I wasn't a fan of Simon. I found their um, problems to be really pathetic. And I just, I just didn't find, like, that I connected with any of them in any way at all, or, like, wanted to see them thrive. That's fair. That's fair. I definitely, like, I think the only character that I, like, 
truly disliked throughout was probably Anthony. Like, even um, Lady Featherington, Penelope's mom, I, like, started out hating her. And I remember um, huh. I watched this with my girlfriend, um, which I would not have wanted to watch it with anybody else because it was so incredibly sexy. Like, I'm never showing this to my parents. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> and I was watching with my dog. <laughs> oh, well, she can handle it. Um, <laughs> but, like, I... Even, like, Lady Featherington, like, my girlfriend was shocked because I... I very easily, like, align myself with, like, liking or disliking a character. And, like, I thought I was going to hate Lady Featherington all the way through. I felt really bad for her by the end. I cared about her. Anthony was the only one who I kind of didn't care about. And the, like, mystery eighth Bridgerton sibling who, like, disappears for the whole season and comes back. Didn't care about her. That was so weird, (laughs) yeah. But, like, Simon, like, I started out really disliking Simon. I came around to him. Daphne was actually the opposite. I loved Daphne from the get-go, and then at episode six, I was pissed at Daphne, and I thought she was an idiot, and I was mad at her for the rest of the series. So it was, yeah, it was interesting. Like, I think, like, my, I guess if I were to have, like, an issue with it, aside from my, like, main issue, is that I don't, I think, like, Daphne and Simon definitely are not the best characters. No. I think they're horrible people. That's fair. <laughs> Especially Daphne. Like, I, I found every scene of them together. I know this is, like, a really generational term, but just so cringy. Like, so cringy. I don't know another word to describe it. Every scene, and I was like, oh, it's coming next. They're going to be in a scene together again. And I was like, ah, like, stop. It's even more cringy than I thought it would be. <laughs> and their, like, sex scenes were so cringy. And especially when he's just, like, showing her what she has to, like, work with in one. Like, I was like, no, stop. That is so unromantic. Like, no. Like, the, the Daphne Simon sex scenes are not <sighs> To be honest. They're not. They're like the worst too, okay? Doesn't even last long. <laughs> like, he I is hate, horrible. As much as I hate Anthony, this is not a spoiler because we find out about this in the first episode. For as much as I hate Anthony, the opera singer that he's having sex with is hot and also their sex scenes are way yeah. more interesting. <laughs> okay, when they're like under the, like, um, what's it called? The risers at the... At the boxing match? That was so hot. Okay, Serena or Selena, I feel like I should know her name, Uh, the opera singer, she's really hot. And Daphne's just this kind of like mousy, pale girl. And it's like, no. (laughs) But yeah, Sienna. Okay, yeah, she's hot. And then Anthony with Sienna is really hot, but Anthony on his own is not. Mm -hmm. He's the least attractive (laughs) of the three eldest Bridgerton brothers, just saying. (laughs) Yes. Um, I thought Colin was the cutest Bridgerton Same. sibling. Easy. And I think he'd do a better job than Simon in bed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna say it, put it out there. You know, Simon's like a cocky jerk. Colin and yeah, he respects women and he listens to women and he doesn't like deceive them. That's a great, great uh, quality in a man, I'd say. I would agree. Benedict's also pretty nice. I like Benedict. I'm not, like, super attached to him, but I definitely like him, like, significantly more than Anthony. So I don't have his face in my head, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's the, like, <laughs> second eldest, the one who's, like, into art and smokes. Okay. So I don't know if you have watched this show. Many of the characters look very similar, at least in my opinion. Yes. And they all have the names, so the Bridgerton siblings have names that go from A to F, I think. Um, I think so. So so they start from alphabetical order, and again, they all look very similar, except Daphne, you know, the main character. She has red hair. Don't know how that happened, but (laughs) she does. Um, Eloise is her younger sibling, who also gets a lot of airtime. I liked her. At times, I did find her quite irritating. I don't know if it was the raspy voice. Um, (laughs) I feel so judgmental right now and, like, horrible to these poor actors. But... (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, just quite irritating with her, like, trying to figure out who Lady Whistledown was. I was like, this is her only struggle in this movie, uh, in this show. I was like, oh, my God. 
your problems are so pathetic when Penn is like struggling with the man she loves and you're just going on about like the <laughs> Lady Whistledon. I found that very irritating at times. I think she was a good friend. I like that Anthony and Benedict would like smoke with her. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> on the swings, yeah. they would just have like a nightly smoke and they'd kind of include her as like one of the brothers. Yes. Um, we don't see the youngest two Bridgerton sisters, uh, siblings that much. The little boy and the girl. Yeah, they um, actually, I counted because I, I was trying to remember. Um, there's so many siblings that they actually go from A to H. Hyacinth is the youngest. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's so that, many. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many children. I don't know how Mrs. Bridgerton is still alive after all that birthing because I don't think any of them are twins. Unless the two younger ones are twins. They are not. Oh, nope. Okay. <laughs> Great. Great job, Mrs. Bridgerton. Um, so basically, the show revolves mostly around Daphne because she is 18 now. All you have to do now is get married and have children. So she is doing her duty as a woman. And um, yeah, so that's all she really has to do once she's 18. Her main goal in life is to find a perfect match perfect husband and that is for her the duke who is simon um although at the beginning and i felt really bad for this character she had um the prince has the eye on daphne i loved the prince this poor baby boy i loved him. i did too he was a good man i feel like she was stringing him along yeah he and his better and even when, like, okay, there's, n I guess I should say there's some spoilers here. Okay, spoilers. Just give me a couple five seconds here. Yeah, so when she denies him and says she doesn't want to marry him, he took it so gracefully and was like, oh, okay, whatever is best for you. Like, so nice. And if she were to say that to, like, someone like Simon, he would be, like, throwing things at her and screaming. <laughs> so he is a great guy. He's a good guy, and he deserves better than Mousy Daphne. Do you know who the best man is on this show? Hot take. Colin. Actually, okay, it's either Colin or um, Will Mondrick, Simon's friend, who's like the boxer, who's a good dad and a good husband and also really hot. Oh, yeah. I love Will. He is really, oh, yeah. I forgot about him, too. Yeah, he's good, too. I have the character. Colin and him. <laughs> That is smart. There's so many characters. Um, so what character do you want to talk about first? Should we talk about Daphne first? I feel like we should. I will say off the bat, in case you didn't know, because I did research like while we were watching, well, Hannah and I were watching the show because I'd heard that it was like adapted from a book and I was curious. Um, so the, the book series, it, it, it's a, from the first book of the book series. There are eight books in the series because each book focuses on a different Bridgerton sibling. So the first one is all about Daphne, the next one's all about Anthony, and then they sort of go down in chronological order, like, as the kids get older. Um, so, like, the fifth or sixth book is about Eloise and so on and so forth. Um, and, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because the show did do really, really well. It, like, has a really good reviews overall like from critics it had a lot of viewership so maybe they won't adapt to like every book into a se season of the show but i doubt this will be the last season i'm sure they will continue following the bridgerton kids yeah i definitely think apparently by january 6th so this came out on christmas day so by january 6th which is just about 10 days i guess it had 63 million viewers God. It is now, I think, one of the most watched, or the most watched original series on Netflix, which is I very shocking. I had no idea. That's nuts. I would never have considered a period drama to surpass, like, something like, I don't know, Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Um. <laughs> apparently, also, the costumes in this uh, show had... There were 7,500 costume pieces all together oh That's like to do. Money. I know. And they were like handmade for this show. And Daphne has 104 costumes in this eight oh episode God. series. 
Yeah, so this is a lavish, a lavish show. <laughs> it does not, it's not a cheap budget show, that's for sure. So I, I feel like now if it has this many viewers, they're definitely going to do more, more seasons. Oh yeah, this is definitely not it. <laughs> I also like that the people in this show were not big, big stars. They were all pretty young, you know, about, I don't know, about eight or ten years older than us. But they weren't like this huge like star you might know from Downton Abbey. They used kind of unknown people, which is nice. Yeah. No, I I didn't know most of these actors, to be quite honest. Like I knew obviously I knew Julie Andrews. Um, but the only actor who I knew aside from Julie Andrews is the girl who pay, plays Penelope because I've seen a couple episodes of Dairy Girls, which is another Netflix show she's on. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Very different. Very different show. Yes. Also, I did just Google it. I'm sorry I keep, like, jumping around because I have That is okay. Daphne, Daphne Bridgerton is 21. Okay, she's 21? So wow, she's she is adult. naive for 21. <laughs> yes, she like, is. Now that we're talking about Daphne, it is true, though. I mean, in 1813, you couldn't just Google things on the internet or, you know, you didn't have sex talks at school. So her naivety was probably pretty normal. I mean, I doubt Jane Austen knew about all the things that marriage involves and courtship involves. And so we kind of laugh at her and think she's kind of dumb. But, you know, we've been so lucky to have these outlets to understand and expect what's going to happen or what could happen if we were to date or marry. And I think that that's really good that we've had those opportunities because it's almost like they're so scared to tell women because it seemed like all the men in the show knew exactly what to do, which yeah. was so unfair because I thought, wow, so, you know, the mothers don't want to talk about with this with their daughter and want them to just find out on the night of their honeymoon. Or, you know, I'm assuming, what's her name? Selena? Serena? Uh, um, I forgot it, it again. Sienna, sorry. Sienna would have known earlier than Daphne as she is not in an upper class situation. But I mean, they're really setting them, these mothers are setting them up horribly for life. Yeah, well, it really, and I think it's something that I never really, like, I feel like with a lot of period dramas, and even just like when you think of, you know, literature from the sort of Jane Austen, Bronte sisters era, like it's so chaste that you just mm -hmm. kind of assumed that everybody was ignorant and like, all of society was living under this like sexually repressed sort of ignorant bubble before you know mm -hmm. when they get married and then they get to find out what sex is but I'd never considered that all of the men like even Colin Colin is a baby Colin is a baby boy yeah. and even Colin knows what sex is but like none of the women are allowed to know and I thought that was so interesting because I you know it makes sense because sexism but I, I guess I never considered yeah. that it was just the women who were kept sheltered, that all the men were like, oh, yeah, sex, I know what that is. And the women were like, what is a penis? Yeah, exactly. Like, what? I mean, they should know that, especially her since she's had, like, she has four brothers. She's in, she, she, she should know what a penis is, for God's sake. Oh it's God. the human body. It's not that big of a deal. Like, they're women. They can't, they can't know. They have to repress any feelings. Um, you know, I guess in those days, sex was was predominantly a male thing, which is so ridiculous since women are part of it. But also, like, in those days, even up until, like, the last few decades, people always told their kids or mothers told their daughters that sex was basically just to please the man and you do that and then out of it you get a beautiful child but you're not supposed to get any pleasure out of it which is ridiculous yep it's so just, ridiculous just make babies come on yeah and then you get something out of it and, and never thinking of the woman and and not telling your daughter this um mrs bridgerton horrible mother <laughs> like not wanting to share this with your daughter um, she should, first of all, at least know how babies come to be. I mean, is it the stork that brings them? I guess in her mind it is. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And even, like, I mean, you know, Eloise and Penelope aren't that much younger than her. And the, the subplot with Marina about Marina's kid, they're both like, how did Marina have a child? Like, they're totally clueless. They're absolutely clueless, and it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. 
And and since sex is this is why we're talking about sex because it's pretty much the main thing of this whole show. So if you're like wanting to skip this podcast, I'm so sorry, but it's all about sex, uh, sex and scandal. And if you're out in a garden and you're a woman, run away because you will be ruined. <laughs> like yeah, that's, literally, that's really don't go happen. to a garden. <laughs> yeah, like the weirdest thing ever. But it's funny that this is the first period show that's ever shown pretty much sex i mean even down abbey they never really showed sex um it's so strange because they don't even show like a kiss um for example in pride and prejudice the one i just mentioned with um colin firth you know they don't even kiss in it i don't think they even hold hands <laughs> no that'd be scandalous but their chemistry um that, he, that they have with one another is so amazing and sometimes I like when it's just like that. I think we've talked about this before with La La Land, how, you know, if their chemistry is good enough, you don't really need the physical aspect. And sometimes it works. Um, sometimes it doesn't. And I just sometimes think that there should just be a middle ground. I found this show to have, like, so much physical sexual tension between Daphne and Simon that there was so much like just a physical aspect to their relationship that I never found that they were ever witty with one another or clever with their dialogue which I really thought was lacking and then all of a sudden they were like sleeping together again I was like oh I like when there's some dialogue to make it kind of tension yeah the the wrap-up with Daphne and Simon's story the last like episode six is the one that made me really mad but like the the way that Daphne and Simon sort of wrap up their story was pretty deeply flawed in my opinion. They're definite like mm-hmm. I really genuinely love love the show overall, but Daphne and Simon, oh boy, did we need more talking between the two of them yes. in the final episodes. That was that was weird. That was not good. <laughs> it was so so quickly wrapped up and I never really found them ever liking each other i just found it all being sexual i don't know that's just my opinion oh what was the wording they used there was some like really cheesy line where they were like oh yeah they they used one of those lines about like you set me on fire or something and i was like okay straight people (laughs) yeah exactly it was so and then caught in the rain i was like oh my god we're doing the notebook trope again please (laughs) please but okay, going back to sorry, going back to the sex stuff again about how women are ignorant and oblivious to it in the Regency era. What would their mothers tell them when they'd get their period? That is what I'm very curious about. Yeah, I I have no idea because and I think it's also like it's very clearly different depending on what your class is because clearly mm-hmm. these like upper class like high end hoity toity like Bridgertons have been extremely sheltered and very much like left living under a bubble but marina spoilers not really we find out i'm pretty sure by episode two um is pregnant and mm-hmm. you know lady featherington finds out about it and beca- and marina realizes that she's pregnant because mm-hmm. she misses her period um and so clearly marina having been raised in this like lower class family has been taught about this stuff and sienna has been taught about this stuff and even um the oh i never remember her name the seamstress um you know she's quite sexually active also and clearly she knows what's up and so it's it's also interesting that this idea that like it was the the high-end you know rich families that sheltered their kids whereas the 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 poor lower class families like all of these kids or you know young adults seem to know what's going on well yeah and they also were more no um told about the diseases that happen with sexual intercourse and that's why so many higher aristocratic women would get syphilis and these these awful awful diseases because they'd have no idea and they'd married these men that have been sleeping with as many prostitutes you know so many and I just find it so horrible that they keep it from these upper-class women. Yeah, it's it's gross. It's bad. It's just bad. Because there were so many prostitutes during the, the 19th century. Um, I mean, definitely, I, I mean, we don't ever see them because we're living through Daphne's point of view, basically. But um, it would have been interesting to see a woman around the same age as Daphne. I guess that could have 
be um, the opera singer and see how her life is so different. Um, but it is called Bridgerton, so I understand why they stick to, to Daphne. It would have just complicated things, but I just couldn't believe how naive she was even after having sex. She was so naive. Like, I, oh, so many problems. The whole montage, she gets a whole montage where she's, like, trying to piece together how babies mm-hmm. are made and, like, what specifically in the act of sex having creates the baby and it's yeah it's so bonkers to see her be like wait a minute seed sperm like oh my god i know and like the wheels are slowly turning in her little head and she's starting to understand (laughs) it's so strange that uh that she did not know how babies were conceived and how, like, even after having sex, she still didn't understand. (laughs) So, so, so crazy. Well, um, I think we've talked enough about Daphne. (laughs) Should we move on to Simon now? Yeah. I, Simon grew on me. I really, really sympathized with him. And, again, without saying too much right now, this this was the big thing that Hannah and I sort of argued over was um you know big controversy episode six episode six is the controversial one um and Hannah and I were both pretty fond of Daphne we were rooting for her the whole show we really liked her um you know Simon took a, a little bit to warm up to but I ended up really liking Simon and episode six big falling out between Simon and Daphne and Hannah was totally on the side of Daphne and I was totally on the side of Simon I was like, Daphne, you terrible, horrible person. Simon is only baby. He is just, this man just needs therapy. Someone get Simon to therapy. (laughs) He's just a sexy man who needs therapy. (laughs) Okay, here's one way to sum up Simon. He has daddy issues. (laughs) Huge daddy daddy issues. issues. This poor man. Huge. Um, I won't go into too much detail. So his father's the Duke and they had absolutely no relationship. His father basically shunned him and, and Simon's mother died during childbirth. And basically he had this hatred towards his father, which is understandable. And he promises his father something on his deathbed. Vows to himself that even though he is capable of doing what he's promised he won't do... <laughs> Yeah, this is very confusing because I don't want to give spoilers, but he just refuses to himself and then pretty much believes his own lie. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I just find it interesting. I think that, like, Simon's character arc is really fascinating to me, um, and it is part of the reason why I wasn't totally, totally thrilled with how the series wrapped... or the season wrapped up. I'm sure there'll be more. Yeah. Um, just because, like, I... I wish that we had a little bit more talking between Daphne and Simon. I wish that we'd gotten like a little bit more out of Simon before wrapping things up in a nice little bow, just because like I find his arc really interesting. And at the beginning, wasn't a super big fan of him throughout. Sometimes he can be a real idiot. I I understand he's hard to root for sometimes. He's a stupid, stupid man, but I just, I just want to support him, and I just want to help him, and I just want to take him to therapy. <laughs> so I found him a bit weak, and I found that the problem that he has throughout the show, I, I found that he overcame it so easily at the end, and I was like, well, what the fuck, sorry, what was the point of me watching this if that was so easy for you to just switch and be like, okay, Daphne, I'll do what you asked. Like, it's just was like, and then all of a sudden, in the end, you know, the thing that Daphne's always wanted occurs, and it's like, wait, what? It's been nine months. I'm like, yep. what? <laughs> Probably by saying nine months, I just gave it away. But anyway, like, I just found it so, his reason to not have kids so weak. See, I disagree. I really, really liked his reason to not have kids, and I really yeah. liked that reasoning. I, I really didn't like how quickly it got resolved. I thought that the because I because I really liked the reasoning behind him not wanting to have kids, and because I found like that whole side of his story so fascinating. I wish we hadn't wrapped it up so quickly. I wish mm-hmm. we like, actually really properly had a discussion about that what did you think of marina i did like marina i liked pen better 
but I did like Marina. Um, I also wanted, I feel like we did, should have said this at the beginning, but this show is filled with historical inaccuracies. Oh, yeah. But I didn't oh, have yeah. a problem with it. I thought they did a, a good job with it. We just have to remember that it is a fantasy, but they do have modern kind of ideas and the climate today, and they put it into an 18th, uh, 19th century kind of uh, setting. And I do find that it's interesting that they do that. Um, I just hope they don't, you know, try to erase the awful things that occurred to people of color during this time. Yeah. Because, you know, if if white people were so accepting towards people of color back then, we'd be so much farther than we are now. Just going to put it out there. But I think we have to just remember it is a fantasy. So Marina is a person of color, and she's living in this aristocratic household, which is so unrealistic for the time. But it, I find that it works. And she has found herself, and we find, I think we find this out in the first episode when um, the main, I forgot the mother's name now, I'm so sorry, the main Which, mother, oh, um, Penn's mom, Lady Featherington, thank you, I should be googling this, Lady Featherington basically goes into Marina's room and says, why have you not gotten your period yet? Which made me think, whoa, I guess everyone knew when you got your period then because there would be so yes, many sheets to wash. Yet. Like, never really... Th I guess there were no pads, especially in that scene with um, um, Mrs. Bridgerton and Daphne. I was like, wait, what is she using to not ruin her gorgeous dress? <laughs> like, I'm very curious now is how they did that and how they cleaned <laughs> up all their bed sheets. But anyway, Lady Featherington basically is like, traumatized that Marina has not had her period yet, which only can mean one thing. She's pregnant and she's not married. <gasps> so Marina, uh-oh, uh-oh, the biggest scandal of the Regency era for a woman. And we never meet the father of Marina's unborn child for obvious reasons, which you'll be able to find out on your own. But um, yeah, I found her struggles you know, realistic. Lady Featherington does an awful thing to Marina by pretending to be um, the man that she loves and write the, writing this letter to her saying, you know, I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be part of your baby's life. Um, and, and it's forged by Lady Featherington, which is just awful. I really liked Penn and I'm really happy that Netflix is showing different women all the time and not showing you know the perfect I always go back um I took a tv course uh, last semester and I always kind of wanted to bring up how great tv is now compared to even the 90s and even 10 years ago where you know the so-called women in shows would all be skinny and white like the girls and friends um and they'd all look like that and that's basically what every woman every girl would see and what they'd have to look like apparently and I love how shows like this show women of all sizes of all colors and they all have really important roles you know I love that Penn is not just the fat friend yeah no they all have like every single character for as short as this series is like all of the characters especially the female characters are really really well developed and I really like mm -hmm. that about it and yeah I love how diverse the women are yeah so I was curious that none of the main characters, like, that we know of so far, um, were gay. I was, I thought maybe there would be Can one. I want Eloise to be a lesbian so bad. <laughs> like, that's, okay, please. that's what I was, I was, I mean, I was gonna just say Elo uh, Eloise please. is probably a lesbian. Because, you know, her first line of the show is, aren't women able to do more with their life and get a career than just settle down and marry and even I thought it was a nice last sentence that she has with Daphne where they never got along because Eloise is so much more of a tomboy she doesn't want to hang her cleavage out like every girl has to do once they get to 16. Anyway um oh I love that their last line with one another is um Eloise saying to Daphne thank you for always being the perfect one so I don't have to be and I'm thinking hmm because at the end of the series Eloise is now of age and will be starting her own coming out ball and having all the trail of suitors just like Daphne and it's next series will probably be about Eloise I'm assuming no, the, the next and one is that, well, oh if they go in book order the next one's about Anthony but if they go out of book order I would love for the next one to be about Eloise because she's a way more interesting character than Anthony <laughs> I feel like it's more 
interesting and better if they just keep the a woman at the center. I agree. Um, yeah. So so if they do do Eloise, I mean her time will come. I'm curious because I can't really see her with a guy. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm quite honest. I'm, I'm gonna be honest because I I don't remember how early on it's I'm, it's fairly early on in the series that that you realize that Penn has a crush on Colin. Yeah, it's like pretty it's pretty soon, but I do remember that like you see Penn with Eloise first and I was like these two are gay. They are in love. They are gay. And so my my running theory which probably won't happen, but my dream is that um Penelope and Eloise will get together. It probably won't happen. I I would still be happy if Penelope and Colin got together because I adore them both, but like Eloise has to be a lesbian and I really want Benedict to be bi. <laughs> Yeah, because if Eloise is a lesbian, I wonder who she'll end up with. Because I do think Penn is like really into Colin, but at the same time, what does Colin have to offer her? Exactly. Shall we talk about Christina, the controversial scene of Bridgerton? Okay. Uh, you can go ahead with it. Um, you want to start? I feel like we'll agree. <laughs> so big spoilers. Yes, big, big you should skip ten twenty Christina. seconds ahead. Maybe more. But also, we'll say that the controversial scene does involve what is at minimum considered like a non-sex, a, a non-consensual sexual act, if not like rape. So if that's something yeah. that you don't like, maybe listen now so you're prepared for episode six, because my biggest problem, number one, no warning, no warning. No, no trigger warning at all. It's so easy to slap a black screen in front of the episode and just be like, hey, this episode has sexual assault in it. Yeah. Also, there should have been trigger warnings throughout the series for Simon's dad. Just saying, there was not. But anyways, um, there were yeah. no sensitivity um, yeah, no, on and the show. That was their first issue. Just saying. I just wanted to s- say the irony of this show is they had sex consultants on the show to help because the sex is so real it's like the characters like the actors are it almost looks like the actors are really having sex okay they're like fully nude and they're doing like the movements as you would do in sex and so they had a sex consultant there um which they've had to have the last couple of years since me too because so many gross men would do such awful things and literally penetrate women uh actresses but anyways they had a sex consultant on set who basically did like choreography with, especially with Phoebe and and Roger, and they were you know told what positions to be in and where the camera angles would be, which I think is brilliant that they do that. And this is one of the first shows that's done that, which is ridiculous because I can't believe it hasn't been done before. I mean, this isn't the first show that's shown oral sex and other other sexual scenes. Um, but the fact that they had that and then they wouldn't do a trigger warning just baffles me. Yeah, there were, there, it's, I, I will say, now, Hannah did correct me because it's, technically speaking, it is not like there is zero warning because, you know, when you, like, click on a Netflix show mm-hmm. and in the top left corner, the, like, little thing comes down that's like, this show is rated M because, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons it's rated M is, I do believe they say sexual assault in there, um, so you could argue that it doesn't go completely without warning, but I argue that that's pretty goddamn small, and it would have taken two seconds to slap a black screen in front of your episode to be like, hey, child abuse, sexual assault, maybe know this going into your show. Um, so anyways, episode six, Daphne, Simon has said to Daphne that he can't have children. And Daphne thinks that that means that he physically cannot have children. She doesn't mean that what he is saying is that, like, he has vowed not to have She literally children. doesn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know. She doesn't really She believes everything she hears. Can. Yeah, she takes it totally at face value, and she doesn't realize that when he says he can't have children, he doesn't mean literally, physically can't have children. He just means, like, personally, emotionally, he can't. Um, so Daphne is finally figuring out how children are... <laughs> After, like, a month after being married. 21 years old. (laughs) A month after being married. (laughs) She finally realizes that it's not, that the the pull-out method of contraception is uh, not normal. So, yeah, she, like, 
Oh my god, no, she like finds out how semen works and how babies are made basically and she pieces the the puzzle together herself and is like, Oh my god, if Simon has semen, that means he's been lying to me this whole time and he can't have children. And so when Simon and Daphne have sex in their bed, because they don't always have sex in their bed, they have sex in every room of the house, including the garden, <laughs> on the stairs. Probably on a horse, won't be surprised. Um, but when they're in bed, you know, Simon tops, he's the dominant man, whatever. Um, but he's on top, literally, figuratively, metaphorically. Um, but Daphne decides... Nuh-uh, we are going to take control of this situation, literally, and she flips him over and she rides his dick, not to be crass, um, but she flips him over and she rides his dick, and he tries to pull out, and he repeatedly, he says to her repeatedly, wait and stop, and Daphne does not do either of those things, and she basically forces him to ejaculate inside of her to see if she will conceive a child. This is obviously messed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, I, I had to rewatch it because when I first watched that scene and I, I had heard about the controversy before I watched the show and I really thought that when they said a rape scene would occur, I thought it was going to happen to the opera singer or something, something down in the slums. Yeah. I did not expect it to happen to a man. I've, I've got to say, I did not expect that at all. Yeah, he was really like, he was saying no and wait repeatedly and she was just like "Uh uh-uh like you're gonna it's it's extremely messed up here was my thing this was the big thing that made me upset and okay so simon is what we would call in 2020 a consent king this man is for the regency and honestly even just in general really good at asking for consent like every single like sex scene that they linger on for lack of a better term in the series simon's like does this feel good for you do you want this do you like this simon is a 2020 consent king and we love to see it (laughs) but like simon is a consent king and i understand that what you know you could argue that oh well obviously you know simon knows about consent and daphne doesn't because he knows about sex and she doesn't But I raise you this. In the Regency, I doubt, I highly doubt, that there were many men that were as good about consent as Simon was. I really seriously doubt that in the Regency era, there were that many men who were that careful about consent. And so to that, maybe you say, oh, well, we're looking at it through a modern lens. But to that, I say, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have Simon be portrayed through a modern lens and be really good about consent and then have Daphne ask for zero consent whatsoever and be like, oh, but that's just what it was like that back then. No, no, no. Either everybody has consent because we're looking at it through a modern lens or nobody uses consent because that's the way it was back then. You can't have both and justify both. <laughs> you can't, you literally, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have everything through a modern sensibility and then be like, oh, but we still like Daphne because it was the 19th century and she didn't know what consent was. Like, no, if we're doing this through a modern lens, you have to hold her to the same standards as everybody else. She has to be held accountable. So basically, um, the movie deals with it, uh, the show deals with it differently than in the book. In the book, Daphne basically gets Simon drunk when she finds out how children are conceived. Um, She takes advantage of him while he is sleeping after being intoxicated and well the seed goes into her <laughs> don't really know what else to say but he is very very drunk it is non-consensual so they did not do this in the movie uh, in the show for obvious reasons um but i don't think they should have done it at all i don't know yeah no the 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 show i feel like with the show you could argue that you know it wasn't that like the initial act of sex was consensual, but it was, like, that one sexual act that was non-consensual, whereas, like, in the book, Daphne straight-up rapes Simon while he is drunk and passed out. Like, it is messed up. Um, and again, their relationship is based off of sex, and they have no communication whatsoever. Their communication, if they do communicate with one another, is horrible. They're saying, like, you know, 
these silly, not riddles, but it's almost like riddles to one another. It's like, gosh, do you ever just speak together without like, you know, wanting to get down? <laughs> but yeah, exactly. And you know, I was shocked that they did that. And, and I was hoping after episode six that there would be some time when she was like, I wish we had communicated about this. I wish I had known the real reason why you did not want to have children. I, I'm so sorry I did that to you. I just felt like there was no other way, which there could have been. But at the time, I was so, yeah, I was so angry. I was, you know, so mad that I was deceived and pushed into this marriage. And my my only dream in life was to have children, because that is true. That's that's the only dream she's had, which is understandable for women at the time. Um, but yeah, there was never once where she said, you know, I shouldn't have done that to you. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. Like, I, I, you know, I understand that it is an important part of Daphne's story, um, but I, I really, I just think, the thing that I think made me the most upset is, you know, if they felt like it was necessary to include, you know, that, a scene similar to that, obviously in the show it is less, it is less terribly rape. It is still non-consensual sexual acts, but it's, you know, not quite as terrible and awful. Um, but I feel like if you're going to include it at all, the thing that really grinded my gears, Daphne never once apologizes. Simon apologizes, and they talk about it. Daphne never once says that what she did was wrong. She never even thinks. She never. Daphne never even fathoms that she might have done something wrong. And that makes me so mad. <laughs> yeah, and I really, I really think, like, you know, I understand initially Daphne being upset as to why Simon had lied to her. You know, I understand. I understand that that was, you know, he should have been more honest with her. He should have told her the real reason why he didn't want to have kids from the start. I understand that. But I think that the fact that at the end of the day, it is very much played or at least like it appears in Daphne's mind as if you know oh things are better now because Simon realized he was wrong and apologized and I've done nothing wrong like no 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 like Daphne really needed to apologize and she really needed to make amends for the terrible thing that she did to him and she really needed to like they do talk a little bit at the end which is honestly better than I was expecting uh, I didn't expect them to talk as much as they did. I was pleasantly surprised, but not pleasant enough because they still didn't talk anywhere near as much as they should have, and Daphne never apologized, which made me really mad, and I just think Simon needs therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of, lots of things, but I think that's a good way to end um, the controversial part of Bridgerton. Um, I don't really have, but I, I'm glad we both agree on it. I was curious if you were going to agree and consider it a rape scene too, because um, a lot of people say that there's no way that men can be raped by a, women, a woman, but yes, they can. <laughs> and I've taken some women's studies class and had to hear people, you know, in debates say that that is not, they can be raped by men, yes, but they cannot be raped by women. And I'm just like, oh my god okay <laughs> okay <laughs> whatever <laughs> anyway <laughs> not gonna get into that um i was surprised though moving on a bit that the wedding between simon and daphne occurred so soon i thought it was gonna like be at the very end i thought there's gonna be more you know tension with the prince and all this stuff and i thought okay by the end there's gonna be a nice little wedding i did not expect that her whole development would be about her sex life, yeah, no, <laughs> basically. Was, I will say that that was something that I, I did really like about the show, because for as much as I've criticized it, I personally did enjoy it overall, but, like, I... Um, and I think they, they talk about this a little bit, um, the writers of the show, but, you know, so often with romantic movies, and especially period pieces, it ends with the wedding. Like, Pride and Prejudice ends with um, Darcy and Lizzie getting together, mm -hmm. Um, the original Little Women, um, not the new Little Women, that's a whole other kettle of worms, great movie. Um, the original Little Women ends with, you know, Joe getting together with the professor, and it always sort of ends with the, the wedding, or that they've gotten together, and that's it. Yes. And I did really, really find it interesting that we got to see so much after the wedding that we usually don't get. Mm -hmm. I thought that was like a fun, fun twist. So I find that with every romantic comedy, it always ends 
whether it's period or, or modern day, it always ends, you know, with a kiss oh, or yeah. with them together or a marriage. And it's like, I want to see the only movie I can think of, which I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, but it's one of my favorites. Um, it's called About Time. Um, I should do that sometime. But it actually shows their marriage life and them having children. About Time is a great Big movie. shocker. It's a great film. It's so nice. It makes me cry. But it's so good. And it doesn't show their relationship the husband and wife but it also shows his relationship with his father playing ping pong and like really nice things and just marriage conflict in general but oh my god 98 percent of the romantic comedies and romantic you know dramas out there just end in like a happy little marriage yeah yeah no a wedding sorry not even a happy marriage it just ends with a happy wedding yeah just the smooch the the yeah the bouquet and that's it folks so I had some questions if there is a season two. Um, so at the end of season one, it is revealed who Lady Whistledown is. <gasps> I was shocked. I Spoilers if you don't want to hear. <laughs> I cannot believe that they re- actually revealed that at the end of season one. I totally thought that was going to be like, we would either never find out or we'd find out way later. So I thought they were going to not tell us, so we'd be like, oh my god, we have to watch another season to find out. That's what I thought was going to happen. So I was shocked that they told us, because it's like, oh, so what's to look forward to? (laughs) Well, actually, apparently, so, yeah, here's the big spoiler. At the very end, in, like, literally the last shot of of the show, is revealed that Penn has been Lady Whistledown this whole time, which I will say, I have to say, my girlfriend called. She totally predicted that it was Penn, and she was so happy she was right. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, she oh, predicted yeah, it, Hannah. Like she predicted. Oh my it, like, god. She predicted it, like fairly early on too. It was like episode like five. Hannah was like, "Oh, I bet it's Penelope," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Even though you know she's stringing Eloise along and and being like, "Oh yeah, I'll help yeah, you." No, oh my god. And I will say, yeah, I I really like to think because you know. We have the voice of Julie Andrews doing the narration the whole time to sort of keep it a secret. And obviously, Julie Andrews and Penelope, very different people. But what I was saying to, to Hannah... <laughs> One's, like, old. Significantly <laughs> older. Um, but I was saying, Hannah, I like to imagine that, like, the Julie Andrews Lady Whistledown voice is, like, what everybody who reads her gossip page, like, hears in their head, mm. like, as they read it. And then a refined aristocrat crat i always want to say aristocrat (laughs) a fine aristocrat woman um you know who's aged and and knows everybody that's probably what they assume her to be so a naive i don't know 17 year old is shocking i remembered i don't remember which episode this was but i remember when when hannah started to suspect it was penelope it was um there is uh an episode where the the queen is having like a garden party and uh the feather get kicked out they're not allowed in and the queen is really mad because in the next Lady Whistledown, like, paper, she doesn't say anything about the queen's oh, garden party. Right. And Hannah was like, Because yeah, she wasn't was there. Like, she wasn't there. Like, she was the one person, <gasps> where, like, that family oh. was, like, the one family that wasn't there. That's true. What if it was Lady she Featherington, though? Now she got enough in her mind. She has her property oh. and, like, she doesn't know who's going to own her property. Do we no, find out? It's like the big cliffhanger. Which I yeah. think is interesting. I'm interested to see what that happens. Because of that. course, of course, the women can't own property. They kept that yeah, accurate. Exactly. God no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you have anything left to say? Or should we move on to the final judgment? I think what I have left to say, I will say in the final judgment. Okay. Actually, okay. I lied. There's one quick thing I want to say before the final judgment, which is. I one of my least favorite tropes in media is the idea of somebody hating children well not hating children but like never wanting to have kids and never wanting to be a parent until the child is born and then seeing it and then all of a sudden everything miraculously clicks and oh my god now being a parent is going to be the greatest joy of their lives and they're going to love their children always and always be happy being a parent that's one of my least favorite tropes in media and it's always the character or person that, like, has really bad commitment always. issues and never wants to settle down. It's like, ah, uh, <laughs> so cringy. I understand that 
children can be life-changing for some people, and I'm not trying to devalue those people's experiences in life, but also, there are many people who have kids and still wish that they didn't have a kid. That happens in real life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, there's more yeah. than than the ones that do, which is really, really sad. Um, anyway, <laughs> before we go down that, that to long thing, luckily, our parents don't feel that way because they're blessed by oh, us. Oh, gifts. <laughs> okay, should we move to the final judgment? Yes. <laughs> okay, so Christina, did Bridgerton move you or not? I, 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 I would say it did overall. I, I wouldn't say, like, you know, hard line across the board. Um, I was completely happy with everything. Obviously, like, there were flaws, um, especially with... Daphne and Simon's plot line they're a little bit unforgivable in my opinion but there were a lot of story moments that really genuinely moved me a lot of characters that I really cared about um and I was I was really engaged throughout it I I was worried that the the sex scenes would take me out of it too much um and sometimes they did but for the most part I I was really engaged in the story and I really really cared about a lot of the characters especially the non-main characters that get a lot of screen time, like Marina and Penelope and Eloise and Colin. And I cannot wait until the subsequent seasons of Bridgerton, where we see basically nothing of Daphne and get to find out more about everybody else who is more interesting. <laughs> I might like it better when Daphne's not in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, um, for me, like I said before... I thought the costumes and the cinematography of the show was just gorgeous, but the show did not move me. It didn't. I wonder if this is the first... No, I guess it was Sleeping with the Enemy. <laughs> that was probably the first one. No, it didn't move me. No. No. Um, I don't know if I'll watch a second season. If Daphne isn't in it at all, I totally might watch it. Even though I do find Eloise to be quite irritating sometimes, but maybe when it's like not just about Lady Whistledown, she'll be a bit better to me, and um, she might be like a better character than Daphne. Yeah, no, <laughs> I just I didn't like it. I fell asleep during some of it. Probably the most important part that I just figured out I didn't know about, <laughs> and, and like, um. Yeah, I just was, I couldn't wait till it was over. I Not to say that it was a waste of time, because I, I find that there's nothing really good to watch a lot of the time, so I'm still happy I watched it and checked it out. And I love period dramas, so for that reason alone, I'm really glad I checked it out. I just didn't find that I rooted for any of the characters that cared about them. Um, I couldn't relate to Daphne in any way. The only two characters I really liked was probably Penelope and Colin. I could relate to Penn. Um, I really liked her. Now that I know that she's a very important and vital character in this show, I like her even more. Um, and I did like, though, how women were portrayed in the show, besides that one blip with Daphne. I, I did like that they were strong. I liked the opera singer. I, I cannot remember her name. It's just gone. But I liked the opera singer. Uh, I liked how strong she was, even though I did find her to be very inconsistent too, even though we didn't really talk about Anthony and her relationship, but I hated it. Oh, Although yeah. their sex scenes were really hot, <laughs> but <laughs> gotta say. Um, sex yeah. <laughs> I think there was way too much sex in this show, and I think that's why it's got so many views as it did. Sorry, people want to see that. Um, but I think the story could have been better if they had taken out, like, 30 out of, like, the 100 sex scenes that were in this show. I think it could have been better that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything left to say. Well, we shall certainly see if more <laughs> of this show is made and what happens next. It'll be quite something. Yes. Well, apparently Netflix has, like, two years worth of, um, shows and movies. So they might have already made one and they just don't want to tell us. You know, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Unless after this pandemic, it'll get made. Yeah. We'll have to see. And if it does, I will have you back and maybe I'll like season two. Maybe it'll move me. And uh, you can come back and do it with me again. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you, Christina, for coming back on this show. Yeah, thanks so and for, like, being okay with me disagreeing with some things. Oh, of course. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> 
Uh, and I want to thank you all for listening. I, I hope you're not too traumatized by everything we talked about. <laughs> we did cover a lot of things and issues today. <laughs> yeah, slap a content warning in this episode. Yeah, this yeah I think so. Explicit podcast. Explicit <laughs> podcast. Don't have any children around the room. Or maybe do so they know that, you know, how sex actually works. <laughs> maybe it's good. Don't shy away from your children. Yes, exactly. Teach them young. <laughs> So they don't end up like Daphne. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button.